good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We've been reading the book of Numbers. Now we're ready to read Numbers chapter 19. I am reading from the Amplified Bible. Now last time we had read Numbers 18, and God was talking about the uh, duties of the Levites and the priests. Now again, remember that this is in answer to the fact that at the end of chapter 17, the children of Israel were like, how can we prevent ourselves from being killed, from sinning and being killed. We're all dying. Remember, that was their concern. We're just all dying. You're killing us all, all the time. So here, God was creating a buffer for them in chapter 18. So here in chapter 19, he's given them instructions on how to purify and cleanse themselves so that they can at least come and present their offerings and do what they do need to do when they come to the tabernacle. Now, it's not that they would be approaching and going to the tabernacle all the time, but just on those instances when they would need to, this would tell them how to basically keep themselves ceremonially clean. And the way it's worded is more like they would do this on a fairly regular basis anyway in these circumstances. I have looked at this and I just wanted to make mention of that. But the idea here again is he's trying to instruct them on how to stay ceremonially clean so that then they would not have so much trouble. He's telling them how to do this. And when we're done with this chapter, I do have something at the end regarding this that I, I want to share with you because I think it's interesting. We're going to read this and think of this at first in sort of a spiritual way, but when we get done at the end, I, I want to share something with you that shows that this is uh, more pragmatic and practical also than maybe we realize. Anyway, this is Numbers chapter 19. I am reading in the Amplified Bible. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, This is the statute of the law which the Lord has commanded. Tell the Israelites to bring you an unblemished red heifer in which there is no defect, and on which a yoke has never been placed. You shall give it to Eleazar the priest, and it shall be brought outside the camp and be slaughtered in his presence. Next, Eleazar the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger and sprinkle some of it toward the front of the tent of meeting tabernacle seven times. Then the heifer shall be burned in his sight, its skin, its flesh, its blood, and its waste shall be burned, reduced to ash. The priest shall take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet material and cast them into the midst of the burning heifer. Then the priest shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and afterward come into the camp. But he shall be ceremonially unclean until evening. The one who burns the heifer shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and shall be unclean until evening. Now a man who is ceremonially clean shall collect the ashes of the heifer and deposit them outside the camp in a clean place and the congregation of the Israelites shall keep it for water to remove impurity. It is to be used for purification from sin. 
The one who gathers the ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. This shall be a perpetual statute to the Israelites and to the stranger who lives as a resident alien among them. The one who touches the dead body of any person shall be unclean for seven days. That one shall purify himself from uncleanness with the water made with the ashes of the burned heifer on the third day and on the seventh day, and then he will be clean. But if he does not purify himself on the third day and on the seventh day, he will not be clean. Whoever touches a corpse, the body of anyone who has died, and does not purify himself, defiles the tabernacle of the Lord. And that person shall be cut off from Israel, that is, excluded from the atonement made for them, because the water for impurity was not sprinkled on him, he shall be unclean. His uncleanness is still on him. This is the law when a man dies in a tent. Everyone who comes into the tent and everyone who is in the tent shall be ceremonially unclean for seven days. Every open container in the tent which has no covering tied down on it is unclean. Also, anyone in the open field who touches one who has been killed with a sword or who has died of natural causes or a human bone or a grave shall be unclean for seven days. Then, for the unclean person, they shall take some of the ashes of the heifer burnt for the purification from sin and running water shall be added to them in a container. A clean person shall take hyssop and dip it in the water and sprinkle it on the tent and on all the furnishings and on the people who were there and on the one who touched the bone or the one who was killed or the one who died naturally or the grave. Then the clean person shall sprinkle the water of purification on the unclean person on the third day and on the seventh day, and on the seventh day the unclean man shall purify himself, and wash his clothes, and bathe himself in water, and shall be ceremonially clean at evening. But the man who is unclean and does not purify himself, that person shall be cut off from among the assembly, because he has defiled the sanctuary of the Lord. The water for purification has not been sprinkled on him. He is unclean. So it shall be a perpetual statute to them. He who sprinkles the water for impurity on another shall wash his clothes, and he who touches the water for impurity shall be unclean until evening. Furthermore, anything the unclean person touches shall be unclean, and anyone who touches it shall be ceremonially unclean until evening. So this was the creation of a cleansing water or cleansing concoction to remove impurity. Now, if we look at this from a practical, pragmatic standpoint, if you notice the things that they're using and what they're doing, they are creating a solution that they will then cleanse themselves with and they will separate themselves out for days. We know, nowadays we know, when you handle or touch 
dead bodies and dead corpses, there is a chance of disease. And it was probably a lot higher back then. Now think about these people. They were on a permanent, well, permanent, well, 40-year. They're on a 40-year camping trip in the wilderness. They need to maintain certain laws, certain regulations, just to keep them safe. Now, there's also a spiritual aspect to all of this ceremony. So the heifer is unblemished, it has no defect, and it has had no yoke ever upon it. It represents a, a type of perfect sacrifice because it is unblemished. It has no spot or nothing wrong with it. It is, it is unblemished. So I can't think of a better way to say that right now, but it has no defect. It is a perfect sacrifice, thus in some ways representative of the Lord's perfect sacrifice that he made for us. But they do all this to keep themselves clean. But there is a practical point of this. Now, I'm talking about spiritually clean right there. It's to keep themselves spiritually and ceremonially clean. And if they do come into contact with something, they would go through this ritual for a week where they would be uh, sprinkled with this uh, with this solution, and they would wash, and then they would clean their clothes and everything, and after a week, and they would be away from everyone, then they would be considered clean, and they would be considered, you know, safe to be around the others. Like I said before, when we look at the practical side of this, we know that dead bodies carry disease and other things, and it can be very bad. So, I want to read to you something. Now, this is from a site called Apologetics Press. And I just want to read this to you. This is something that they noted and other people have noted before. But I think this is a good summary that kind of explains a practical purpose to this as well. And it shows God's uh, forethought and intelligence and what he is telling them to help them in a practical way as well as in a spiritual way. And they probably wouldn't have understood all this other stuff that I'm about to read to you because think about where they were thousands of years ago. They wouldn't have had the knowledge that we have now. At first glance, the water of purification sounds like a hodgepodge of superstitious potion-making that included the ashes of a red heifer, hyssop, cedar wood, and scarlet wool. But this formula was the farthest thing from a symbolic potion intended to ward off evil spirits. In other words, it wasn't intended for that purpose. On the contrary, the recipe for the water of purification stands today as a wonderful example of God's brilliance, since the recipe is nothing less than a procedure to produce an antibacterial soap. It was producing a cleansing agent to really cleanse them and keep them from spreading disease. When we look at the ingredients individually, we begin to see the value of each. First, consider the ashes of a red heifer. As most school children know, the pioneers in this country could not go to the nearest supermarket and buy their favorite personal hygiene products. If they needed soap or shampoo, they had to make it themselves, right? They, they used to always make their own soap. Under such situations, they concocted various recipes. One of the most often produced or used types of soap was a simple lye soap. Practically anyone today can easily obtain a recipe for lye soap. 
The various lye soap recipes reveal that to obtain lye, water was poured through ashes. Thus, we have the ashes of the red heifer. The water retrieved from pouring it through the ashes contained a concentration of lye. Now, lye in high concentrations is caustic and, you know, it irritates the skin, but, you know, it, it's also a cleaning agent. Okay. Um, it is, in fact, one of the main ingredients in many modern chemical mixtures used to unclog drains, etc. And then in more diluted concentrations, it can be used as an exfoliate and a cleansing agent, which that's the idea. They wouldn't have had a highly pure form of lye. What they would have created um, using these instructions would have been a more diluted version. Many companies today still produce lye soaps. Amazingly, through God's inspiration through his instructions, Moses instructed the Israelites to prepare a mixture that would have included lye mixed in a diluted solution. Now, furthermore, consider that hyssop was also added to the water of purification. Hyssop contains the antiseptic thymol, the same ingredient that we find today in some brands of mouthwash. Hyssop oil continues to be a popular heating oil and um, actually is quite expensive. In listing the benefits of hyssop, one website noted, once used for purifying temples and cleansing lepers, the leaves contain an antiseptic antiviral oil. A mold that produces penicillin grows on the leaves. An infusion is taken as a sedative expectorant for flu, bronchitis, and phlegm. Now, two other ingredients that stand out as having cleansing properties. The oil from the cedar wood in the mixture provided is also another um, uh, sort of skin exfoliant style thing. And then um, that would have encouraged, you know, scrubbing and cleaning. And then the scarlet wool added wool fibers to the concoction, making it the ancient equivalent of maybe a lava soap or something along that line. So it's just interesting to note that God was giving them a recipe for a good lye soap equivalent, something that would encourage them to clean themselves and really get clean and to get rid of any, you know, uh, bacterial or any other problem. This was to keep them safe. This is basically a soap recipe to keep them safe, to keep them clean, and to prevent them from spreading disease if they had come into contact with dead bodies, which nowadays we know is a problem. That's why when people handle dead bodies nowadays, they are very careful about how they handle them and what they do, and they clean, they clean themselves regularly. It's nothing unusual nowadays for people to uh, use precautions when handling dead bodies. So anyway, I thought that was very interesting. I wanted to mention that God is giving them a ritual that does symbolize the cleaning of sin and reinforces that spiritual idea. But it also has a practical purpose in that it will prevent them from spreading disease accidentally and it will keep them safe and keep them healthy. And that's another factor that we have to take into account. God wants to keep everyone safe and healthy as much as is possible. 
And this gives them a way to do that. Like I said, they're on this extended camping trip in the wilderness. So they have to have a way of doing this. And they would have, this is not the only time they ever burnt a heifer and created ashes and did this. They did this. This is a perpetual statue, remember? They did this throughout their history. They did this. And I think there's notations of it being done again uh, later on in the Old Testament. I don't remember the exact reference. Let me see if that was here. I don't have that here. so, But I have read that. And uh, the, the red wool, in my reading here in the Amplified Bible, they just referred to it as red material, scarlet material. That's what it was. Scarlet material. But that was the red wool that's being referred to. So. This has been Numbers chapter 19. I want to thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. May God bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.